you crave technology that leads, if you appreciate design that inspires, if you want driving dynamics that excite, meet the one. The remarkable BMW 1 Series, featuring front and rear parking sensors, cruise control, fully digital display with navigation and real-time traffic information, along with BMW's latest voice control intelligent personal assistant, all a standard. Meet the one with your own exclusive video consultation. Book yours today at bmw.ie. Welcome to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I'm Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent, and this week we're talking about something that it's a phrase we hear a lot when we write about the kind of issues we're interested in, and it's left behind neighbourhoods. And like I say, it's a phrase that we bring up a lot, and today we're going to really look at what they are and what can really be done to help these areas that was such a focus of the election in December. Now, I'm really, really pleased because I'm joined by Matt Leach today, who is the Chief Executive of the Local Trust. Hi, Matt. Hi, Jerry. Thank you so much for being with us. And also Alexander Stafford, who is the Conservative MP for Robber Valley and is the, a member of a new all-parliamentary kind of cross-party group to look at this. Alexander, thank you so much for being with us. Hi there, Jerry. Hi. So... The reason that I've got you guys on today is because of this new group that we're that you guys are kind of involved in. And for listeners that don't know, an APPG, as you'll hear us refer to it, is a um, all party parliamentary group. And it's really where, you know, parliamentarians from all sides of the political divide come together and unite on this one issue that they really care about. And to be honest, for me, it's really the best of politics because you really see this cross-party collaborative working. Um, and this has been set up and Local Trust, who uh, Matt heads up, has really been very involved in this. I mean, to get us started, Matt, how has this, this all come about? Well, Local Trust is a national charity which was originally funded by um, the National Lottery Communities Fund with a really unique mission um, over the last eight years, we've been working with 150 communities across the whole of the country, giving each of them, residents in each of them, a million pounds and challenging them to use that money in ways that they that they choose to improve their local communities. And, and these were communities that often were the sorts of places that get forgotten about, perhaps hadn't had their fair share of lottery money in the past when the programme was started. So if you think about the sorts of places they are, places like the Westfield Estate in Sheffield or Tang Hall in York or the Warwick Estate in Nottingley, or, or thinking about Alexander's constituency, not that far from, from Maltby, there's um, Thurnsco and, and Goldthorpe. Some of them former industrial areas, some of them former mining communities. What was really, what was um, consistent about all of them in terms of why they were chosen was that they were places that seemed to be lacking in a little bit of of energy. There wasn't quite the stuff going on in the community, the civic activity uh, capable of making a difference. And we've been working hard with those communities now over eight years. We've seen some brilliant things happen at a local level, Um, but we've also learned a lot. And I think one of the things we've learned is that where communities don't have 
the start, some of the building blocks to get started. So where they don't have places to meet, whether they're pubs or, or community centers, where they're not particularly well connected to other places. So it's hard to access resources or get people in to help. And maybe where there's a lack of, of social organizations, the community organizations that bring people together, get stuff started, that they find it much harder to make a difference um, even when they're given a million pounds to start with. So we commissioned some research about a year ago to, to try to understand what was going on. To see, is there something about communities that lack social infrastructure, the places to meet, the community centres, the connectivity, whether it's digital or physical, the access to services that makes them different from other places? And we engaged in this massive mapping exercise. We mapped every single community centre, community hall, village hall, church, nightclub, pub in the country, dropped wow. pins in them. We did a density plot of that. We then looked at all the grants that were going into communities and all the community organisations that were registered with the Charity Commission. And we mapped things like digital connectivity and whether people were going out to vote. And we brought that together and came up with a map of the country which showed that there were some places where communities were much more active than others and had a lot more going on. And when we put that on top of the index of multiple deprivation, which is the, the data set that government uses when it's identifying places that are in need, where it's allocating resources, we found that there were probably about 200, 220 places around the country that seemed to be doing much worse than everywhere else, um, where that, that kind of combination of both deprivation kind of economic decline and a lack of social infrastructure seem to be leading to a whole lot of quite negative outcomes. So whether it's much worse health outcomes. So in those communities, you're seeing um, 60% higher levels of lung cancer than the average for the UK. Or indeed, um, when you're looking at levels of employment or you're looking at benefit um, dependency, these places which seem to lack social infrastructure and were high on the index of deprivation, seemed to be suffering much more than other places. And interestingly, when we got to the election, actually more than half of um, the gains that Alexander's party made in the last election were in constituencies that had communities like that in them. So there seemed to be a link going on between deprivation, levels of social infrastructure, that kind of notion of being left behind, you know, society, government, local government, not giving you the tools you needed as residents to make your places better um, that needed to be look, looked at. And when, when we went into Parliament and started to talk to MPs, in fact, from both parties, we found there was a whole lot of interest in that. And I mean, the APPG came about in part because of the number of really motivated, enthused parliamentarians who felt that there was something very important there to talk about. And, and over 40 now have, have come together into this all-party group, and Alexander's one of them. Um, his his colleague, Paul Howell, up in Sedgefield is chairing um, the the committee. Uh, Diane Johnson, um, who's um, you know a, a, a member also from Yorkshire, is, is, is the vice chair. So we've got a really strong group of people who seem to be wanting to make a difference. And there's something so really... this is more, isn't it? This is more than just kind of, you know, high street shops being shut up and things like that. It sounds like it's a much more in-depth kind of look at what a left-behind area really is. I, I think for a lot of these communities, they wish they had high street shops to, that, that might be at risk of closure because yeah. uh, quite often they're places where you'd need to get on a bus um, to get into town to get access to a lot of the shops that other people might might take for granted. So, you know, when the government 
embarks on on big initiatives and great initiatives to turn around high streets that's brilliant but it doesn't often reach as far as as the communities that are on edge on the edge of those those towns or those cities which perhaps are lacking in bus services which certainly are lacking in places where services can be delivered or where people can just meet to have their nasa sessions or have their um, you know their children's sessions because what's really distinctive about these places is that overall they seem to have much lower levels of that social infrastructure, that social fabric stuff that a lot of us would take for granted in the communities in which in which we live, and that does seem to make a difference to the quality of life that people experience in those places. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's really it's a really key issue, and I'm I'm really interested there. You said that. There were a lot of MPs when you went into this department who were really interested to get involved. And obviously, Alexander, you were one of them. All those issues that Matt was talking about there, are those things that you kind of heard on the doorstep, you know, during the election? Oh, completely. I mean, one of the big issue reasons why the Conservatives won so, so, so well across the north of England, the Midlands, in these sort of areas is because people were sick and tired of the, the same old, same old. They'd seen, you know, they'd be often places like in my seat, they'd voted Labour all their lives. Uh, even when Tony Blair had a massive majority, their lives weren't getting better, they're getting worse. And almost people say, we've had enough. We, we, we're seeing the degradation of our high streets. We're seeing the, the collapse of so much of the infrastructure, infrastructure of our communities. And we want to make a change. We want to bring this up and give the Conservatives a chance. We really were speaking that message of raising these areas up. Um, one thing I do want to touch on is we're talking here about the infrastructure, but one thing that hasn't been left behind is the community feeling and the community mm. aspect of it. And across so many of these areas, there's so many good community groups. We've seen this with uh, COVID uh, coming together, helping each other. But what they need now is that helping hand, the infrastructure, uh, the the connectivity, those aspects will really raise these areas up because the people are there, they're, they're willing, they're wanting to get involved, they're wanting to help out, they're wanting to make their lives better, but they just need that helping hand. And this is really my job as a, as a member of parliament, as part of this all-party group, and obviously working on this uh, agenda is trying to help raise everyone up together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of my job is um, following what you and um, and your kind of Yorkshire colleagues in Parliament do, as um, as you know, as I bother you all the time. Um, but in, in, in kind of a lot of your interventions in Parliament since December, I've noticed that you're really big on saying, you know, don't don't always call my constituency somewhere that has been left behind. Yeah. It's more that it's not because the people people really don't kind of always identify as that. Is that because they feel that they are not people that should be left behind. They're really kind of keen to, to, to improve the area. Is that kind of well, the well, feel that you get? Exactly, that's what I guess that. But, that, you know, these pe- pe- people in my, my seats, and Maltby is one of those uh, very deprived areas. We have sort of 18% youth unemployment, which is double the national average, mm-hmm. uh, aspects like that. It's not they're sort of left behind. It's that there's no infrastructure to help them raise things up. There's a great yeah. wealth of community feeling aspects. And so many groups who actually want to do something, but all they need is to be empowered. And I think there has been that lack of empowerment by by, by governments of all colours, Conservatives and Labour, uh, across the years. Have have we allowed these people? Have we allowed to take control of their lives? And to me, yeah. this levelling up agenda really is, uh, and talking about the left behind is really actually giving the people the tools they need to sort of help themselves to, to rise up. And I think that is a great aspect of what this group is trying to do and will achieve. It's about that empowerment of communities and making local communities have those key decisions 
uh, which will impact their lives. Yeah, no, absolutely. Matt, I'm going to get back to you there because I think we really examined and got into the kind of detail there of what you guys found in that research you commissioned. But I suppose listeners might be wondering what's what's the point of all this? Is it is it a talking shop or what? What kind of comes out of the other end? Is it policy? Are you guys looking to develop things to put to government to say, look, this is what you should be doing? Well, I think there's a, there's a lot of good MPs from from the Yorkshire and Upside region on the committee. You know, whether it's Alexandra or Diana Johnson, Judith Cummings, Ed Miliband, Jill Furness, a lot of people who are very, very committed to making a difference. There are also people who are, who are engaged in a lot of other activity across Parliament and beyond. So it can be very hard to run a, you know, to get them interested in an all-party group, which was just a talking shop. I think everybody we've talked to really wants to see this make a difference. So it was launched in it was launched in July. Um, obviously, the program is very much for for members to drive themselves. But the upcoming sessions that have already been identified are ones around looking at, at that issue of social capital and social infrastructure. The the tools that people need to be able to stand up for themselves. And Alexander talked about the community he's got he's got in Maltby. I mean, it's, it's a really rich community. If you look back, you think that that's 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 the village where Fred Truman came from. You know, it's it's mm. it, it's not it's not just an estate on the edge of somewhere. It's 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 something. It's a part of Yorkshire and it's a part of Yorkshire history. But if you look at communities like that, they've actually struggled to get the money in that they that they need. Um, that's partly because people at a local level, aren't always able to make the case. If you look at COVID um, and the charitable money that came in to help communities make a difference, um, the average money coming in, going into a left-behind community over the last three to four months has been about £21,000 per community for left-behind areas. That compares to £60,000 for your average per 100,000 population for your average community elsewhere in the country. So actually it puts communities at a real disadvantage when they don't have that basic social infrastructure to help organise people to get access to resources on the outside. And what I see the APPG doing right across a whole range of subjects, whether it's social capital or it's employment skills and education, connectivity and transport, perhaps health outcomes as well, is looking at at how that difference can be made. And, and critically, as Alexander says, looking at how we can empower local people to make decisions to make a difference to their communities themselves. Because a lot of them know what the differences are that need to be made. They just need to be given you know, the ability to make decisions and access critically to the resources that to date they've probably not quite benefited from as, as much as perhaps places more towards the ten- centre of our towns or cities. Mm, so let's let's talk a bit about... I guess what some of those things might look like. I mean, for either of you, feel free to come in here. But what what do those communities? What do people in those communities tell you they need to, in order to be empowered to make that change? Well, the one thing which we clearly need is better infrastructure, and that's that we should the options for people to take to look for jobs, to go to college, to go to school, to actually actually get people in and invested in the area. To me, the number one issue would be that connectivity, um, both in terms of buses and trains, but also digital. I mean, the broadband speed, once again, in Maltby, is once again almost half the national average. Things like that. If you have slow broadband, if you're looking at as you're home working or remote school and looking at, you're going to be held, you're going to be left behind if other areas are going going speeding ahead. So those are things that really give the, the area the tools they need to actually get going. And 
uh, one of the first PMQ I actually raised, as you know, Joe, was about bus connectivity uh, in yeah. this valley. It's just woefully bad. Um, we, the government often talks about, and all governments talk about, these big infrastructure projects, HS2 or other aspects. What really makes a difference is that local bus, which takes you from Maltby to Rotherham, Maltby to works on. That is where we need the connectivity. We don't need to think sort of across country. We just need to be able to get to the local big town or, or, or the local big town. That is what will really help lift up these communities and really give people that fighting chance, whether it's a job market or the educational market or the health market, even getting to local hospital. It takes an awful long time. It takes, from once again, in Maltby, it takes, on average, uh, 55 minutes to go from public transport to local hospital. Mm-hmm. Then we have 30 minutes, which, once again, will have the impact on people's health. So all these things have a massive impact on what these communities, our communities look like and feel like and become. Yeah, buses often the I, I, forgotten cousin of of the train. Sorry, Matt, you were going to say there. No, I was going to say I completely agree with with Alexander, and I, I think what's also important is that that aspect of of local communities being trusted to identify those priorities and make those decisions. And you can see some great examples in in Yorkshire of that happening in practical terms. So, Thurcroft um, in Rotherham, which is an area we've been working on, the community when they were given the resources to make decisions and the ability to make decisions for themselves, took it on themselves to build a fantastic new sports and community centre, designed, project managed by themselves, meeting a need that just hadn't been met in the area for years after the the cricket club went bust and sporting facilities in the area fell into to disrepair. You can see mm-hmm. other, other places. I, I mentioned Westfield earlier in Sheffield. When I first visited there five years ago, it was a community with a a community centre that had been a pub. The pub was shut down. It became a community centre. That got shut down. The kids in the area of an evening, if they wanted something to do, would have to walk half a mile down the dual carriageway and stand in the stand in, in the little foyer outside Morrison's on the on the roundabout of a, a dual carriageway in order to get a bit of light and a bit of heat. Because there was nothing to do on a, you know, on a in a state of perhaps three thousand homes with one shop. Um what they've been able to do collectively as a community is reopen the community centre, get stuff happening for local people, get get young people involved and engaged again, and critically create a sense of community and a sense of of, of, of oneness where people can support one another and, and they can rediscover and build on the strengths of neighbourliness that we know has always been there. But sometimes, you know, as a whether, whether it's local government, national government, or just society as a whole, we've neglected these places. We haven't given them the resources or the tools needed to, to sustain community life in, the, in, a, in a way that the rest of us, again, would, would, would take for granted. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, this is, a, this is a, all party groups. I don't want to make it overly political, but I think it's, it's fair to say, um, Alexander, that, you know, this was a massive part of of your party of the government's election promises i mean so um, you must have quite a lot of i guess hope that any recommendations that come from the appg are going to be taken seriously because this is a this is a big thing for boris johnson right oh it's a huge thing it's something we always bang on our buses but generally it's everything about this he cares about and what i find quite reassuring that throughout this covid crisis is really has constantly been talking about the leveling up agenda and that's something which mm-hmm. i've raised in parliament once again and he's confirmed that they're not going to let up in this. And the Conservatives have a once-in-a-lifetime chance to reform these areas. Never before have we had so many seats in these types of uh, these types of areas. And frankly, we want to make a difference. And not only that, we've now got this large cohort of Northern MPs, Northern Middle MPs, who are fighting in tooth nail for extra money, extra funding. And the government is listening. I mean, 
literally the first week we were elected, we had meetings in number 11 with the Chancellor to discuss what do we need for our areas. So now more than ever, the Conservative Party is truly listening because we've got such a large cohort of MPs like myself and other colleagues constantly banging the door of Boris's door or Rishi's door saying, we need this, we need that for our areas. So we all want to get re-elected. We all want uh, more more wealth and more resource in our areas. Of course we do. So now's a great chance we can seize this and take the goodwill for the government and actually make some change happen. Absolutely. I think it's it's definitely a point to make about the changing political landscape. I was speaking to Miriam Cates, who's one of your new Conservative colleagues in um, Penistone and Stocksbridge, just a couple of weeks ago, and she was saying how there's a real excitement in your new cohort, you know, the 2019 intake about this and how really it's a very strong political tool to have. So I'm, I'm, you know, optimistic that we're, that we're going to see some change. Now, there might be some MPs that haven't signed up yet. Matt, can you give us a pitch for any that might want to come on board that haven't yet? Can you encourage them and tell them what's going to be so kind of successful about, about this APPG? Well, I think what's really exciting is that when you look at the the membership of, of the APPG when it comes to the list of new APPGs that have been formed since the election. This is, I think, the third most popular APPG. So we're mm-hmm. we're having no trouble attracting motivated, committed parliamentarians who really want to make a difference. Um, and uh, I, you know, obviously there's there's there are there are a number of other MPs in in Yorkshire who. Uh, represent constituencies with left-behind areas in, and I, I'd, I'd hope that over time, provided their diaries allow, they, they could become part of it. I think what will attract them is the fact, as, as Alexander said, this is this is an incredibly important issue of the moment. We've got this comprehensive spending review coming up. Danny Kruger, who's um, was was formerly chief of staff for, for the prime minister, is now an MP uh, for a constituency in the in the southwest, has been tasked by by Boris Johnson to deliver a report. I think he's just delivered it, looking at how government can support community life much more effectively. And I think a lot of people are very excited about what that might um, what that might say and how that might contribute to the to the spending review. I think that, I think there is a big challenge for government though when it, when it talks about infrastructure in. Um, moving the boundaries of that from, you know, not just talking about the roads and the hospitals and the high streets, but embracing the social infrastructure of our communities as well and looking at those places which might need more investment, more commitment of time and support to get their social infrastructure to the same level as everybody else. I think that that's a big challenge for government as we come up to the spending review. A lot of money is being spent on um, on helping the, you know, the economy bounce back from from covid there are some communities that are still looking to bounce back from challenges they've been facing economic and social challenges that have existed for the last 20 or 30 years um Maltby is one a huge investment in improving housing in parts of the in, in in parts of the Maltby uh village 10 20 30 years ago but there's still a lot more to be done and when government does that in, that infrastructure investment thing i i really hope that they 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 commit to commit to social infrastructure as well. So it's obviously a really important issue. I'm I'm sure that we will speak again about it and we'll hear lots more about it and we'll keep an eye on the progress going forward. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much. Alexander, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you very much. This has been Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post's political podcast, and I've been Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent. You can find this podcast wherever you usually get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, 
Google Play and we'd really, really love it if you could subscribe and leave us a review because it really helps to boost us in the charts. Now, you might have noticed that this episode looks like it's a week early, but the very exciting news is that Podzone Country is now in your ears every Friday. We have gone weekly, so I will speak to you in seven days. (music) Thank <music> you.